Good morning. Welcome, real life family and friends. And if you're visiting uh, today, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday and this coming week leading up to Easter is the time that we reflect and remember uh, Jesus and what he did for us as he goes to the cross on Friday, uh, as he's in the tomb. And then, of course, next Sunday on Sunday morning, he rises uh, again as the firstborn of all creation. And today I want to talk about the, the title of my message is The King of the Kingdom. And if you're uh, watching this this, in, this morning, I want to invite you to an event we're doing later today. It's uh, on Sunday at 3 o'clock, and it is our crosswalk. And all the churches and many Christians are gathering together at the Montrose Township offices, the parking lot. And we're going to walk through the city of, of Montrose and stop and pray over all the different places uh, along the way, the schools and some of the buildings and the churches and pray for our nation, pray for our community, pray for our life together. So please come out today if you can make it this Sunday, right now, 3 o'clock today uh, at the Montrose Township office, okay? But today's message is the King of the Kingdom. We've been talking about the Kingdom of God, and Jesus came with this message of the good news of the Kingdom. Today I want to talk about Jesus, the King of the Kingdom, because on Palm Sunday he comes in, remember, into Jerusalem on a donkey and people are hailing him as the king and uh, recognizing him as the, as the king because of all the miracles and all the uh, uh, amazing things that he had done, but they had no idea what he is about to do as a king. And so Jesus is the king of the kingdom and he goes to battle. This coming week we celebrate that he went to battle for you and for me, but it wasn't the typical king type of battle. He didn't blow trumpets and assemble his army to surround the city and take it over. Uh, he, he didn't take out the leader of the Roman world or challenge Rome to a war. You know, he didn't uh, rally the crowds to take up arms and start a rebellion. But the king of the kingdom of God came to do battle for you and for me on this week in history uh, as we remember it. And he went after the real prize. The real prize wasn't land, it wasn't buildings, it wasn't territory. It wasn't armies. The real prize that Jesus, the King of the kingdom of God, came to win was your soul, my soul, our hearts, the hearts of mankind, to win his creation back, his children back to him. And that's what I want to talk about today is how did Jesus do battle for you and for me to win us back? And it's really, instead of him as a king coming to shed blood, he came to give his blood to redeem you, to save you, to save me, to rescue me, to win me back from the enemy, from the torment of sin, the brokenness of sin, the death of sin, the evil, to set me free from the enemy that held me captive and held you captive. This is the battle that Jesus came to win, and he did. Hallelujah. So let's celebrate that today. The plan, the enemy's plan for you is to steal from you, to destroy you, to kill you. But Jesus' plan for you and for me is that we would have abundant life in him and through him. That we would be restored and made alive. And what the enemy meant for evil, God wants to turn around and restore us back to good. Right? And so Jesus took the devil on in order to strip him of his power over mankind and over you so that you could be free and you could be filled with life to the full. So what we are celebrating here is not an earthly uh, kingdom, 
but a spiritual kingdom and a spiritual victory that is more important than a physical victory. Because all of this physical world came from the spiritual world. And for Jesus to come and just get back his, his physical land of creation, that's easy. He's going to do that. He's going to come again, and he will do that. He will reclaim the land. He will reclaim everything, right? But what was more important to Jesus is to reclaim the hearts of his children first. His kingdom, remember last week I said, is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. And he wanted to establish his rule and reign in us instead of sin and hurt and pain and death ruling in us. Jesus came to win that victory first. So he comes to give his life to set us free. And he's coming again to finish the rest of it. All right. So as we talk about that today, we are talking about the spiritual victory that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. <clears throat> Excuse me. He came to win back the hearts of his children and to make a way of redemption and return for each and every one of us who will believe in him. Now, just a little bit of theology here I want to share with you real quick before we get into how Jesus has done this. First of all, it's very important that we understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And that's important because he needed to be a substitute for our sin. And he couldn't do that if he wasn't fully man. But if he was in sin, born in sin of a man, then he would have been born tainted, right? And he wouldn't be able to do that. And so he was born not of man. He was born of the Spirit of God. So he's fully God, born of the Spirit. But he was fully man without sin. So he could qualify if he would remain without sin throughout his lifetime, which he did. He would then qualify to pay for our sin because he didn't already owe that same debt. And that's exactly what he did. In Genesis 1.27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we see that we were created in the image of God, but sin entered the world. Adam and Eve sinned. We don't need to go through that whole story again. But it fast forwards to chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. Notice the difference. We were created in the image of God. Adam was created in the image of God. But Adam had children in his own image. Unfortunately, that means in sin, in his own image, in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. And so from that moment on, when sin entered the world, all the rest of us were born into sin, into slavery to sin, under the, under the, uh, the brokenness of sin, under the curse of sin, enslaved to the prince of this world, who was the instigator of sin. And so each and every one of us, we are born into sin and we need redemption. We need saving. We need restoring. We need to, to be reconciled back to God. And so from the very beginning, from the very beginning, God spoke and foreshadowed that a Messiah would come, that one would come to set his people free, right? And that Messiah, that Savior, is the king of this kingdom, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus came, it says here in Matthew 1.20, what is conceived in Mary, in her, is from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was born of God, but she gave birth to him, and he was a fully human being, and he set his God side apart. He was God without sin, but he became fully human, and he put his God power aside, and he lived life here 
as full human, dependent upon God and dependent on the Holy Spirit. And he had no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 14, it says, He, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, which I was talking about, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus purchased forgiveness of sins for us. In verse 14, it says, Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because of your sin. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So how did Jesus do this? We know he went to the cross. We know uh, he was betrayed on Passover Thursday. Uh, he was tried throughout the night. He was on a cross by Friday morning. He was, uh, he was crucified on that cross and he died Friday afternoon, probably around uh, six o'clock in the evening. He was taken down from the cross just before six o'clock, before the Sabbath started, put in a tomb. And 40 hours later, he rose again early Sunday morning while it was still dark. He rose again from, from the dead, right? Sin could not hold him. He paid our debt. God raised him from the dead. And now we have a living Savior. Hallelujah. Now, but, but what, I want to just talk about that a little bit more detailed of how that, what Jesus did for us, how that makes a difference for us today in the stuff that we're contending with. And it's all about his blood. It's all about the blood that he shed for you and for me. This is powerful. This is the currency, the legal currency of judgment uh, in the spiritual realm, in heaven, is blood. Okay, Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is, listen to this, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. God says it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Okay, so this is the legal uh, payment for sin, according to God, is blood. Blood that represents the giving of a life towards that uh, redemption, towards that atonement. When a life is given and the blood is shed, that is the payment. That's the, the debt that needs to be paid for sin. And that's exactly what atones for our sin. All right, so I want to talk about the blood today. How does Jesus' blood atone for your life today? And interestingly, there are seven different ways that Jesus bled for you and for me. What I'd like to do is just take you on a quick journey of these seven different ways that Jesus bled and how that shed blood has atoned for your life completely, that there isn't any area of your life that Jesus hasn't paid for its redemption. I'm talking body, soul, spirit, emotions, everything. Jesus paid and bled with his blood so you could have abundant life. So the enemy can hold on to any sliver of who you are. So you are completely redeemed, completely free. You can be who God made you to be, and you can have abundant life. Come on, amen, somebody. So I hope that you lean into these seven and you begin to meditate on uh, what Jesus has done for you and you Apply it to your life, understanding that Jesus actually paid this debt so you could be free. You could be healed. You could be made whole in his name.
So let's go through those. The first, and by the way, seven in the scriptures, as I've mentioned many times in the past, is a very important number. Seven means perfection and it means completion. So when I look at seven ways that Jesus uh, bled for me to atone me, that means he completed it. There isn't anything he left out. It's perfect. How many of you know that God's redemption, Jesus' work on the cross, is perfect and complete for everything that we need? Amen? That's what that means. Seven. I just think that's really awesome. So the first one, the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember the story in Luke twenty-two forty-four. Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night of his betrayal. He knew what was going to go down. And he was in great anguish because he was anticipating all the things that were about to happen to him. To be betrayed, to be beaten, to be um, ridiculed, to be stripped, to suffer, uh, to take upon him, himself the weight of the world's sin, the sickness, the disease, the brokenness, the alienation, the rejection, all of that. He knew all this was coming, like right now. And he was in great anguish. And it says here in Luke twenty-two forty-four, 44, in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He was literally bleeding drops of blood out of the anguish that he was going through. And I want to just say that in this first example of him bleeding, Jesus paid for your and my mental anguish. We've all been through incredible things that we just feel like we can't hold it together any longer. Mental stress, anxiety, pressure, anxiousness, anguish are all serious issues for people in our world today. Today, there's so many people gripped by fear or anger or depression or, uh, you know, just not knowing how to, how to make things work anymore. We have so many mental health issues going on with people. We have all had moments when we felt great mental strain and anguish in our lives. Like we just couldn't quite handle things any longer, hold things together. And as Jesus began his journey to the cross, his first act of redemption was our mental anguish. He began to take upon himself all the pressures, all the weights, all the, all the hurts of the world so that you wouldn't have to anymore. And, and his wrestling with all of this, he began to bleed and pay for our atonement, for our healing. The Garden of Gethsemane was in an olive grove. And what you do in an olive grove is you collect these olives, you put them on a bed of uh, maybe stones that make up a nice heart or a, some sort of a cement type of a, a flooring. You put the olives there and you begin to crush those olives to extract the oil. And Jesus was literally being crushed by the weight of our hurts and our pains and our anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. He began to feel that and pay for that through drops of blood so that we could be free from that anguish and free from that mental strain. Your mental health has been paid for by Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You can have peace of mind because Jesus took your mental anguish upon himself, the pressures, the anxieties, the worries of this life, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what Jesus has given to you, right? In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, We have the mind of Christ. And so, number one, the guard, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we learn that Jesus took our mental anguish and blood drops of blood for our peace of mind and our mental health Amen. 
I agree. I agree. Number two, Jesus was beaten and he was bruised under his skin. Uh, bruises are bleeding under the skin. Okay. And so the second way that he bled for us was the bruising he took on. Matthew 26, 67 to 68 says, then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, slapping him, hitting him, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Matthew 27, 30 says, they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. So they're beating on him and bruising his body. Isaiah 53, 5, uh, 53, 5 says, he was bruised for our iniquities. And so Jesus is bleeding under the skin, which reminds me that Jesus took our internal pain upon himself to give us wholeness from our suffering. How many of us have internal hurts, bruising of the heart, bruising of our emotions, bruising of our, our, our uh, identity, right? We all have internal hurts and we've all experienced harsh words, rejection, labels that have sunk deep into our soul. We have all been sinned against and experienced pain in the heart from other people. And Jesus took all of that internal hurt upon himself. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, he was beaten for, for our, our um, mistakes and for our hurts and for our pains. And he took those things upon himself. So the chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, he was beaten so that we could have peace. We could be forgiven. We could be healed. Our soul could be restored. He was even betrayed by his disciples, especially Judas. But the others fled and abandoned him as well. And he, he was hurt. He was rejected. He was made fun of so that you and I could have peace and we wouldn't have to live with that kind of pain anymore. And so I challenge you to receive that truth as well today, that Jesus was beaten and bruised to redeem us from internal heart hurts and to restore our soul. Okay, number three. Number three, the stripes on his back. We all know this passage in Isaiah 53, verse 5. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And say it with me, by his stripes, we are healed. Of course, this is talking about part of the process of being crucified. Before he was crucified, Pilate had him scourged. John 19.1 says Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And what that was was that his hands and his feet were bound and his back was made bare and they whipped him and they struck him with, um, you know, the, these stripes are referring to this whipping process and they would have sharp pottery shards and stones affixed to the braided leather at the end of these whips that would sink into the flesh and, and scar it, rip it, and tear it open. And he took 39 of these lashes for you and me, and blood was spattering everywhere, everywhere. And the prophet Isaiah says, when he has taken those stripes, he was paying for our sicknesses and diseases to be healed. That's what he said, by his stripes, we are healed. And so Jesus was scourged to redeem us from sickness, and disease and to heal us physically. Again, how did Jesus come to give us abundant life? Just that we would uh, somehow stumble through this life and have the forgiveness of sins and then our life would be changed? No, he paid for all of our redemption right here, right now, and the very things that we're contending with, with his blood, with his blood, that we can have peace of mind 
with, and not have mental anguish. That we can have our internal hurts and our soul healed and restored. And that we can be physically healed from sickness and disease because of the stripes of Jesus and the blood that he made atonement for, for our sickness and our diseases. That's good news. The word heal in Hebrew is pronounced Rapha. Some of you know the uh, old uh, name of God in Hebrew, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, the Lord our healer. The first time it's mentioned is in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, when God is specifically saying, I'm going to heal you from all the sicknesses and diseases that were in Egypt. And when the people came out of Egypt, there wasn't one person that was sick. Out of all of those, some say maybe up to 2.5 million people, not a single one was sick, not a single one was feeble. And that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do for each and every one of us who by faith received the atonement of the blood that was shed through that scourging for our healing today. Amen. So Jesus was scourged to redeem us from sickness and disease and to heal us physically. Number four, the crown of thorns. Remember the crown of thorns was shoved upon his head says this um, in Luke 19.2, And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put, it on him, put on him a purple robe. And they began to tease him and torment him and hit him. And as they pressed that down, I'm sure that penetrated his skull and began to bleed from the crown of thorns. So in the beginning, we had abundance and prosperity. But as a result of our sin and independence from God, we lost everything. So the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, says to Adam, God said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken for dust you are, and to dust you will return. In other words, sin gave us a curse. The land was no longer going to work with us. It was going to work against us. It was going to produce thorns and thistles. And so the crown of thorns re represent Jesus taking that curse. And we used to wear a crown of glory, and now we have a crown of thorns. And Jesus took that upon himself. He bore the curse of, of the land, of our, of our work, uh, and of, of just the, the hardness of life so that we could wear a crown of glory once again and we could be prosperous once again. And so in um, 2 Corinthians verse 8 and 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, uh, might become rich. So he took our curse of poverty and he gave us his blessing of prosperity. And so, number four, Jesus wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from the curse and to restore us to prosperity and a crown of glory. So now we can prosper in this life. Jesus wore that crown of thorns to redeem us from poverty, which comes from self-sufficiency. When we left God and said, we can do this on our own, God, we were cursed into our own self-effort, self-sufficiency. But now, as we trust in Him, we are blessed, and the floodgates of heaven and the windows of heaven are open upon us and over us. And so we no longer are um, restricted by our own energy and our own effort and our own uh, means. 
But now we are the children of God and we are under God's blessing and God's favor and God's power and God's means. Amen? So you, can you be any more rich than this? You have everything you need in God according to this message in, in the blood that Jesus shed for you through wearing the crown of thorns. All right, number five, the piercing of his feet. And number six, the piercing of his hands. The piercing of his feet uh, says here, Mark 15, 20, and when they had mocked him, they took the purple uh, robe off of him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to be crucified. And part of the crucifixion, as we know, was driving sp spikes in the wrists and spikes into the, uh, the feet, the upper feet or the ankles. And so they crucified him, Matthew 27, 35 says, and divided his garments, casting lots. But I just want to summarize these ones very, very quickly because of the time that we have. Jesus' feet were pierced so that our feet would be blessed. We can walk in the favor of God because Jesus took away our sin and has made us righteous in the sight of God. Listen, we walked away from God. And Jesus took that, that sin of walking away from God. And his feet were pierced so that we could no longer be separated from God. But from now on, we can walk with God. And so, there's so many amazing promises about walking with God. Deuteronomy 28.6 says, You will be blessed when you come in. Blessed when you go out. Deuteronomy 11.24 Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Joshua 1.3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And uh, Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Deuteronomy 30, verse 16, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him. And now through Christ's atonement, we can walk in fellowship with God and in obedience to God. And to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So did you know that wherever you go, God is with you, and you are blessed. You're blessed in your coming. You're blessed in your going. The same goes for our hands. Our hands. Just as Jesus' hands were pierced, um, that removed the curse uh, of uh, fruitlessness living. And now, whatever our hands find to do through Christ, they are blessed. The work of our hands is blessed. Okay? In, in, uh, as I read earlier in Genesis 3, 17 to 18, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you're, you're going to work hard, and you'll eat fruit from it through painful toil all the days of your life. But it's going to produce thorns and thistles. Uh, you're you're going you're gonna to struggle. You're going to sweat, right? The work of your hands is going to be hard. It's cursed, but Jesus reversed that curse. And now in Deuteronomy 2.7, it says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness, and God is going to bless you. Mark 10.16 says, He took children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. And so our hands are a source of blessing. Our hands are also a source of sending. Right? Acts 13.3, it says that they placed their hands on them and sent them off and blessed them. Our hands are a means of praying. 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, uh, Paul says, Therefore I want men everywhere to lift, uh, pray, to everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. Holy hands. Our hands are a means of healing. Mark 16.18 says they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Do you see all the blessing of our hands? We send, we bless, we pray, we heal with our hands. 
Luke 4, uh, 440 says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. He healed them. And our hands are a means of imparting the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. Acts 8, 17, Then Peter and John place their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So our hands are now a source of blessing. The blessing of, of uh, praying, the blessing of giving, the blessing of sending, the blessing of blessing, <laughs> the blessing of receiving the Holy Spirit, and healing one another. Wow! So John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We get to do the same works that Jesus did. Deuteronomy 28, 12, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. And so Jesus' hands were pierced to redeem us from fruitless labor and to bless all the work of our hands. Before I go to the last one, th this is just ingrained in me. Wherever I go, God is with me. My feet are blessed. Whatever I do, God is causing blessing to happen because my hands are blessed. God is with me. Not only has he shed his blood to atone for my sin, my waywardness, he's also shed his blood to heal me of sicknesses and diseases, to restore my mind so I can have peace of mind. I don't have to live stressed out, depressed, uh, you know, tormented. He's healed my internal hurts uh, and I can forgive others and I can heal from, from the hurts and the labels and the rejections of others and all my in, inside stuff, right? And he's also blessed, blessing you wherever you go. He is with you and your life is going to be fruitful and blessed. And then the last one is the piercing of his side. And uh, it says here in John 19, 32 to 34, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first thief and on the other one who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. They did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And so it is believed that when he pierced the side, he punctured the, the pericardium, yeah, which is the sac of the heart and possibly the heart itself. And the water from, the, from the, the surrounding of the heart, it was probably under great stress and it was swelling with liquid and that water came out and puncturing the heart, the blood came out and Jesus' heart was broken for you and for me. Isn't that amazing? This is the seventh place or time or example I'm giving you of Jesus' blood being shed for you and for me, for everything going on in your life for the very core of who you are, your heart. God's, God's heart broke so that your heart could be healed, could be mended. He wants you. He loves you. He wants you to be made whole. And he wants you to know life abundant. And that's why he did all of this for us. So let me just summarize this real quick. Jesus is sweat, drops of blood to redeem us from mental anguish, to give us peace of mind. He was beaten and bruised to heal us from our internal hurts and to restore our soul. He was scourged to redeem us from sickness, disease, and to provide healing for us physically. He wore a crown of thorns to redeem us from the curse and to restore us to prosperity and a crown of glory. His feet were pierced to redeem us from walking away from God, and He's restored us into relationship with Him. Now we walk with God, and God is with us everywhere we go. 
Jesus' hands were pierced to redeem us from fruitless labor and to bless all the work of our hands. Now we are, now our hands are our hands of blessing in all that we do. Jesus' heart was pierced to remove all our brokenness, to heal all of our disappointments, all of our betrayals, all of our misunderstandings, hurts, and pains, and to heal our hearts. Wow, this is what Jesus has done. As you think about Easter coming up, as you think about this coming weekend of Good Friday, Jesus going to the cross for you, being in the tomb, think about these seven ways that Jesus has bled so that today you can have peace, you can have healing, you can have inner healing, you can have wholeness, that you are blessed, that you're not alone, and God is with you and His favor surrounds you like a shield, that He shines upon you, His face is turned towards you, you have His affection, and his attention, and you have his spirit within you, giving you everything that you need for life and for godliness. Don't let the enemy lie to you any longer. Steal any part of your life, any part of your peace, any part of your physical uh, health, any part of your relational health, any part of your mental health. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say that you can't be healed. This is just the way it's always going to be. That's not true. Because the currency of atonement and redemption is the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who paid for you so you could have abundant life. You really need to meditate on these things. You need to look at these scriptures. You need to treasure these things in your heart. Let God work these truths into you so that you realize this isn't just something that happened almost 2,000 years ago. This is something that is available to you and me today, right now, with our current situation, with our current soul, with our current hurts, with our current struggles, that Jesus is with you. He's paid for you to be redeemed and healed. There isn't a sliver of your, of your being that Jesus has not paid for in full. My prayer today is first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus, that you'll accept him as Lord and Savior. Place your faith in him today for the forgiveness of your sins and for the transformation of your life back into who he made you to be. Out of that kingdom of darkness and brokenness, into his kingdom of light. And my second prayer is for all of us that God will continue to illuminate and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may know him better and see the fullness of Christ's redemption available to us today so that we would not hold on to any darkness, any brokenness, any hurt, anything at all, that we would give it all to him and let him heal us and restore us and shine through us. Today, pray this prayer with me if you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All right, join me. Jesus, thank you that you paid it all so I could have all of your life in me today. And today I place my faith in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you love me. You died for me. You have redeemed me. And I receive you by faith today that you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for bleeding for me and shedding your blood for me, not just for the forgiveness of my sins, but for my full redemption and restoration in you. I'm all yours. Holy Spirit, fill me with your power so I have everything I need to live this new life that you've called me to experience in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for each one watching that is struggling with an area today that your word right now will break into that area and we will see that your blood was shed so we do not have to suffer any longer. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the turmoil is, no matter what the challenge is, Jesus, you paid for every 
possible scenario in our life. And today I pray for fresh faith for my brother and sister listening to this message, that they will access the atonement for their situation today through your shed blood on that cross so that we could have life to the full. Give them a breakthrough, Lord. Start that miracle today. Let our faith arise. Let us say amen to your promises. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to Easter. I hope that you could come. If you're able to come physically, we have two services for Easter. One's at 9 and one is at 11. Happy resurrection to you next week if I don't see you, but I'll see you here again on the video for our Easter message. And uh, just pray that God will continue to bless you. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.